Welcome to Pull Up a Seat with your host, Alex Starr. Hello, and welcome to the first solo cast I've done. Um, I thought I'd do it on my experience of ayahuasca in Costa Rica um, because it was hard for me to write down so I thought maybe I'd be able to describe what happened um, over voice better um, but all this stuff is, is hard to explain anyway but gonna try my best um, when I went down to Peru in October I had a lot of time and years of thinking uh, that I would want to try ayahuasca and that it, it kept kind of coming up to me but I was a little apprehensive about it, a little scared of it, um, and not sure whether that was something I wanted to do or not. Um, but as I went down south to Peru, I really kind of made a decision, you know what, if it pops up and it uh, shows itself to me, then I'm going to jump and, and do the experience. Um, but plans changed, I was in Peru a little longer than I thought, and then my family was coming to Panama, so I went north and um, the opportunity never presented itself, so I just let it go. I wasn't going to force it. So I dilly-dally, keep going around my travels, and I end up at a farm in Costa Rica volunteering for a couple weeks. And this is about two weeks before my four-month trip is over in South America. And a friend of mine named Rama says to me, Oh, I, I talked to um, you know this fellow in town um, who happens to be from Canada. And he had done ayahuasca at this retreat uh, just outside of Capos, which is near the coast of Costa Rica on the Pacific side. And she had no idea that I wanted to do it. Uh, she had no idea that I was even interested in it. And I said, yeah, and I would love to get more information about that. So we talked to the guy and uh, hear his experiences with it. And we decided to do it. And it works out perfectly. It's like a week before I'm going to fly out. So I have some time to digest. Uh, her then boyfriend uh, was flying in that day, so we could literally fly in that morning and then do ayahuasca that night. And then a French friend of ours named Jan, uh, he was also down to to do it with us. So we all signed the signed the check, so to say, and emailed them, and off we went and met up in Capos, and then went up and took like a half hour taxi ride um, up kind of in, into the jungle, um, past a little town. And this, this place had a huge wall in front. Um, first thing that came to my mind was Jumanji, like the movie. I, I thought Robin Williams was going to come back to life and pop out of it. I mean, and like rhinos were going to come through. It was this huge stone statues in front with this big wooden kind of gate. Um, you know, something that Genghis Khan would have had or something. So we go into it, and they have this really nice kind of big uh, open area with a kitchen and large table with seats and it's right next to this big river and there's a little pool and it's in the jungle with a little lawn there and then you walk uh, just a couple like a minute through uh the jungle and you get to the temple um that's an open walled temple with a giant i think granite centerpiece in the middle um 
and there's room for about, I don't know, probably 15 mattresses along the border and then three chairs where the three shamans are. And there's two female shamans and one male, and I believe they were Colombian-Argentinian. That's the way you pronounce that, art from Argentina. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce Argentinian. And um, so we all get there in the afternoon. We go to the river. We relax. Uh, more people start to come in. And I'm starting at about 7 or 8 o'clock to be like, all right, let's get this started. It doesn't start till 9. Let's get going here. Um, and we had already picked out our mattress spot and everything. So we go to the temple at 9 o'clock. Um, everyone that hasn't done ayahuasca before gets called up. And they run you through kind of, all right, you might purge. A big thing of it is throwing up. Um, which is supposed to be very physically rejuvenating. Um, some people even shit themselves. Um, a guy we talked to said that the last time he did it, he shit himself. I don't think anybody did this time, or at least they didn't admit it. Um, but Rama, who I was with, was quite worried about that. So, But luckily nothing happened to her. Um, and so they go through that, and they say you can come up a couple times in the night and take another dose, uh, depending on you know, your biology and how you react to it, you might want more or, or the one dose you get to begin will be sufficient. Um, so they ran us through that. They said, you know, don't go past, you know, about 30 feet outside of the temple. They don't want people tripping out, um, running around, but I'll get to that later about your state, uh, while you're under the influence of it. Um, so we all sit down on our mattresses. There's probably about, there's probably about 20 of us in this open-walled temple, and they start the process of one person comes up at a time and takes a dose. It's in a shot glass, and it's out of this... It's out of a maple syrup jar, but it's not maple syrup, obviously. And it, it it's this dark brown, and it tastes... It didn't taste as bad as a lot of people really... Um, proliferated this sense of that it just had this disgusting foul taste it wasn't good i wouldn't want to go take it every morning and wake up but uh you know you get it down and then you just kind of forget about it. it leaves a little bit of a nasty taste in your mouth but uh it's kind of a earthy rooty flavor i guess you would say uh no i, I would need a wine connoisseur to come in and describe the chalky mossiness of it or something so you go up one at a time, and as they start going around, this is when I start to get really nervous all of a sudden. My heart starts pounding, you know, it's, this is it. It's coming down. This is the wire. It's now, you know, you're here. You're going through with it. Uh, hopefully, you don't have a terrible trip, which is always kind of is on the back of my mind because weed does that to me. If I smoke a little too much weed, my mind starts to just eat itself from the inside out, and I, I can't control where it's going, and I just go too deep into that. My own psyche, I guess. I'm not even sure, but it's not a pleasant experience when I smoke too much. It's a fine line for me. So I was a little worried about that, but I'd heard from people it's not the same as smoking marijuana. So uh, I thought, what the hell? Let's do it. So I go up and I take my one dose, um, which is just a shot glass sized, I would say. And um, I go back to the mattress with my buddy Yawn and then Rama and her boyfriend uh, Adam are next to us and it's silent for about 20 minutes. You're kind of sitting there just meditating, just letting the medicine start to work. You're on a, basically an empty stomach. I hadn't eaten anything since about 3 p.m. that day and I just had a, I don't know, I had some pizza. <laughs> I thought I had a salad. I had some pizza for sure. And 
after about 30 minutes, they start... The shamans throughout the night play a lot of music. They have uh, this special type of guitars and little cymbals and flutes and all types of little interesting instruments. And they'll play to kind of guide you along on your path. And, and they have taken the medicine as well. So uh, they're also tripping, you could say. And the initial response is I'm worried about getting nauseous or I'm thinking about, oh, I hope I don't get too nauseous. And I really didn't. My stomach starts to hurt a little bit. And I'm laying down. And I just start getting these waves of euphoria, these waves of love coming at me, just from my head to my toe, just this smooth, silky warmth coursing up and through my body, um, like through my veins, really, and makes me realize, kind of, it almost felt like the plant was communicating, you know, like just saying like, oh, I'm going to set you up for this night, this is kind of... Remember this stuff. Remember this good feeling. Cause this, this is this is what life's all about. Is these really good uh, waves of warmth that you get sometimes that um, are much harder to acquire on your own without some type of catalyst, but obviously can be done. And everyone experiences them. I know I do at some points. I wish I did more. Um, so I start getting that. And time at this point starts to slip into the fray. I mean, I would say it was probably an hour later. I went and threw up a few times. Um, but it's not when you, you know, when you drink too much and you're, you're too far gone and you throw up and you still just, oh, I'm next weekend. I will never do this again, ever. I'm never going to drink. And then the next weekend you're slamming vodka with your buddies again. It's not like that. It's a very, you throw up, it's not pleasant when you throw up, always, Uh, but as soon as you're done, it's done, and you feel relieved, kind of like when you're sick and you throw up, Uh, when you just ate something funky and you throw up, and it's just the biggest wave of relief after, Um, a little bit like that. So, I throw up a few times, and I go back in... And I sit down in a meditation stance, and I feel 100% sober. And um, a few people had gone up and gotten second doses, and I thought, you know, what, what the fuck? I'm here. I'm doing this. Let's do it. Let's try and do it all the way. So I go back and get a second dose. And and now the same process happens again, where I get these waves of euphoria, and I'm laying down, and this is when everything just disappears I start I think I'm sometimes asleep I'm kind of in a dream state and what happens is you can get up and walk around like if you have to go to the bathroom or you need to walk out of the little temple and throw up into the in the jungle kind of in the bushes you're totally coherent and you can you can render yourself up and walk and know that you're walking you're not hallucinating that you're you know on Mars or something talking to Teletubbies um you're fully aware while you're moving, uh, but your thoughts are definitely coming from a different realm, I would say. Um, while I was laying down, uh, for instance, one vision I had was I stuck my head into this. There was this vortex, right? So, so these are these are the hallucinations, you know, obviously um, not in the sense that I am, I don't know. I'm not even going to try and describe it. Anyway, it's in my mind and I, I picture this vortex, um, and these are thoughts coming from the plant that you can tell, you know, from my perspective, something else is communicating with me or helping me see these things within my own mind because it's all within my mind. Um, 
and I see this vortex, and I know that if I jump into the vortex, I will completely lose my sense of self and annihilate my ego, um, which is something that I know I need to do and go into more because my ego can take over my mind a lot of times, um, and I make decisions based on that too much for my preference. So I know if I jump into this spinning vortex that I will forget myself. Well, that's fucking scary. So... I stuck my head in instead, and I just thought, you know, I'll just peek inside this thing. So I stick my head in this vortex, um, and I start to lose my identity. And I, uh, Alex drifts out the window, and I'm just this thing floating around the universe, and I have no sense of self, and that scares the shit out of me. So I pull my head out, and oh, and Alex comes back. Uh, oh, that was interesting. So I stick my head back in, and the same thing happens. I do that a couple times. And, and, you know, I think if I did this maybe the ayahuasca a couple more times, I would have I would have gathered the courage to jump into that realm of complete ego destruction. Um, but for this first time, I was just able to peek inside of it because I just couldn't get... Uh, I just couldn't get the courage to do it on this first time. Um, so it was a nice experience just to peek my head in though. Just, just the tip. <laughs> so that was one of them. And then, you know, the, the, the night just kind of transmutes. At one point I was, um, a wind chime at my grandmother's old house and I was watching myself and my older sister scooter around her old hot tub on her deck. Um, and I was the wind chime. Um, because I heard these wind chimes, the flutes they were playing reminded me of it. And so then all of a sudden I was the wind chime and I was observing my grandmother's old backyard. Um, and you're in, you're in this dream state, this dream realm kind of thing. And so as the night progresses, I I get up and I go throw up and this is probably maybe now three or four in the morning. I, I would guess, I'm just guessing, uh, three or four, I go throw up like five more times. And I, I'm I'm tripping pretty good at this point. Um, I'm starting to see. I don't know, if you ever have cooked quinoa, there's little kind of squiggly like pigtails uh, on the quinoa, and the world was kind of in a grid of those of like these little squigglies everywhere. Um, so I throw up and I look up at this leaf of a tree and I see a face in it. And the first thing that comes to my mind is, oh man, there's. Every tree is living, every plant is alive, um, everything is a sentient being, and this tree in front of me that I threw up in front of was probably 10 or 12 feet tall, and in my mind, it was a teenager, and so I spoke to him like a teenager, I was like, um, am I going to be alright, man? Like, what do you think, dude? And uh, the tree didn't respond, but in my mind, uh, we were having a conversation, I guess, having a having a moment. And I said, all right, thanks, man, appreciate it. And I walked off, and I passed by a bigger tree on my way to the path. I looked up at that one. That was a much bigger one. And I patted it on the side, and it was like, yeah, you're all right. You're, you're doing all right, man. Thanks. And so it was just a strong connection with this whole jungle atmosphere, um, but just a real laid-back connection, so, like like you would talk to an old friend of yours. It wasn't like this profound, oh, my God, the, the world is all alive. It wasn't that profound, to be honest. It was like something I already knew, and it was just like, oh, yeah, I'm talking to the tree because why not? You know, the tree's alive too, like I was talking to an old friend of mine. Um, so that was interesting. And I come back, and I sit by the fire, 
And this is when things really start to pick up. And so it's probably 5 in the morning at this point. Maybe 4.30 or 5. And I'm just sitting by the fire looking at it. And I start to um, get these... I start to see this sadness that's within myself that I don't know why, but and it's not, I wasn't becoming sad, but I just, the medicine just kind of pointed out to me. It's like, Hey, what about that little, what are you gonna do about that? And, uh, I said, yeah, what, what are we going to do about that? Why is there that little ball of like this sad energy inside myself where, um, I don't know where that came from. And the first thing that comes to my mind and now remember, this is my mind, but kind of through the plant, uh, through through the medicine. The first thing that it shows me automatically is my mother. And uh, that's interesting. Why is it showing my mom? My mom was a, was an amazing mother. Uh, I don't have any like sadness towards my mom in, in, in particular. I mean, that make any sense to me. And then what I see is that my mom has this energetic, you know, little ball of sadness, you know, a little core sadness, um, from her mother, my grandmother, who was a Cuban immigrant to Florida when she was 16 or 17 and just really had a hard time with that. She left her entire family, entire culture behind, married by 19, had, I think that she was married by 18 actually, had my, my aunt when she was 19 or 20. And just left her whole family and friends behind and had to, you know, this whole new culture, whole new language, knowing nobody. Um, and she's mentioned before how that really was hard on her. And I don't know if some of that, she was going through that and she energetic, kind of left an energetic uh, imprint on my mother when she was born or through raising her. But that's what the medicine was telling me is that this is all, like I have that from my mom who got it from her mom or, and maybe even before that, I mean, there's just this little energetic sadness. It's hard to describe. Um, (laughs) so it shows me that and I, okay, that's, that's cool. That's, that's good to know. Um, you know, maybe I'll talk to my mom about that sometime or my grandmother. Hard to talk about though. Hard to explain to people what you're feeling and what you kind of see on when you're under this influence. And then it starts to kind of um, bum me out that I'm not I, not creative enough, that I don't paint, I don't draw. Um, I used to play the drums, but I they're kind of hard to bring around with you when you're traveling. So I don't play the drums um, like I used to. And it just always kind of bums me out that I see people that do all these really great creative things and I am not being uh, hands-on creative. And then the medicine tells me, oh, no, you are creative. You're creative in helping construct and create other people's lives better. And that's what you should aim your life towards is, you know, maximize your potential, bring out the best in you so that you can bring out the best in others and, you know, help create people's lives as the best suited for them was the message I was getting. And and literally the message said, wow. I can't now I'm going to say literally and now I can't remember exactly what it said but it was you watch them dance you you help them in their life help create the life they want and watch them dance is what it told me <laughs> maybe because I took salsa lessons the week before I was a little on the dancing theme uh so 
I, I was thinking all this, and then the light refraction off the fire was cylindrical, and I could see the strands of light coming at me, which was an amazing experience. And then right before sunrise, I do a cleansing ritual. You, know, you, you line up about 10 at a time in a lotus position, meditation, sitting down, cross-legged, and they do all these uh, scents and oils and like spitting water and doing all this music. And at this point, I'm really kind of on the peak of my trip, of my experience. And I start to wonder to myself, do I want, do I help all these people? Do I want to help these people? Do I enjoy helping people for my, because I genuinely enjoy it? Or is it that pesky fucking ego coming back up and, ah, oh, look at you. You're so cool. You help people and you're better than them because you help them. And I just never know when that's getting intertwined with my true intention sometimes. So I started to think about that while I'm sitting there in this cleansing ceremony and what comes to my mind is the love I have for my friend's family and particularly my little sister. And I and that wave of love just washes over me and it is undoubtedly that I genuinely enjoy helping other people and sharing a lot of the love I have inside with other people and helping them with whatever you know they have in their life. It actually helps me. So that answer was given to me very strongly. I got it. These waves of this wave of love is washing over myself, and the tears started streaming down my face. And uh, it was just a really nice, nice moment. I can't remember the last time I cried before that. Um, not sobbing, but definitely tears coming down. So the ceremony ends, and then you go lay down, and now the sun. You can this twilight is starting to peek around the corner. And you lay down and just kind of drift off for a few hours into this tranceful sleep. And you wake up at about 9, you go get breakfast, some fruit, some granola. And then you all come back at about 10 and talk about your experience a little bit. And um, then everyone kind of goes their separate ways. We left at about noon because the people I were with were going to a music festival and... I went off to Manuel Antonio, and I ended up, coincidentally, so I I get on my phone after the first time in a couple days, and my mother is asking me, you know, where are you? Is this, are you doing that ayahuasca thing? So I text her back and say, yeah, this, this was the icing on my cakes. I was supposed to fly out like four days after that to Miami, and then from Miami, I was going to go to Phoenix to see some friends, and Phoenix, eventually, I was going to go to home. It was going to be two weeks later, but I was doing these other things first. Um, I just needed to be in Phoenix like two weeks after that. And I, after this this ayahuasca, I just felt my four-month trip had just completed itself naturally. It was just the icing on the cake. I had nothing more to accomplish, nothing more to um, kind of prove to myself or show myself. So I texted her back saying, yeah, it was great. I'll tell you more later. If I could go home tomorrow, I would. I'm just, you know, I'm ready to go home, see the family. And she said, well, if you figure it out, I'll help you uh, pay for it. So anyway, the next day I end up flying home um, on a whim. And my feeling and sentiments a few days after 
I think I've heard a lot of people talk about how it's hard to incorporate the experiences you have under these types of drugs into your everyday life. And the first few days, the shamans told us the medicine would still be in you and you'd still be kind of um, experiencing realms related to what you had when you were under the direct influence of it. And it did. Life had a different twist to it. It had a different um, a different color. I, I just felt a little different. I felt not off, just different in a good way. I looked at things a little different. I went to the gym and I got back and just the way that I reacted and interacted with people and saw the world around me and felt um, was a little different. Um, it had a different shade to it, I guess would be one way to say it. So, you know, that slowly fades, but the experience that I had doesn't. And those core messages, which was now, shoot, like, know, almost three weeks ago, um, those don't fade. Um, they just kind of get put to the, in the backdrop, I guess you could say. So if that type of experience is calling your name, um, you know, look it up. Don't force it. Um, and you know, make sure you talk to people who recommend a place, you know, personal recommendation and referral. Um, because I have heard of a lot of scams going on down there, but you know, there's scams with everything that you do. So, uh, just get personal referrals. And if it's calling your name, then it's a beautiful experience. Um, especially if you do it more than once, you know, most of these places do it three to five times within a week. And that's where I think you could really get into some deep, deep stuff within yourself. So, um, that's about it. Uh, wish the best to everybody and see you guys on the next podcast. Deuces.